Welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Welcome to another episode of UCYP. Uh, How is everything going with you, Tim? It's going pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's going pretty good. Okay. You know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that that explains a lot, right? You know. That's a deep. You know. It's a deep thought. That's a deep, you know, it it just makes you wonder, like, what does you know mean? (laughs) So, today is Halloween. It is. And do you like my outfit? (laughs) Yeah, I. That's a lot of makeup, though. It is. You, you couldn't even tell who I was. Huh? <laughs> I couldn't. You couldn't even tell. No. Nope. So I am dressed as the Trans Siberian Orchestra. <laughs> all of them. All of them. The whole band. Like, <laughs> I look like all of them combined into one human being. You know, I feel like that really clears a lot of things up for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What are you doing? Um, tonight, man, trick or treating with my kids, which is so funny because, um, I just feel bad for my daughter who's, you know, my, she's two and a half and with Eileen, we spent so much time figuring out Halloween costumes and then it's like, so Della, what do you want to be? Princess? Great. Cause we have that costume. And she's <laughs> so, like, okay. Yeah. But what was but funny right. is they're, know, they're just, they're it, right. Okay. Here's the thing. Go ahead and enjoy that. Yeah. That that's all she wants right now. Yeah. Because. Oh, as soon as it flips to like four and it's kind of like the awareness starts kicking and like, yeah. wait a second. Oh, well, you that's... mean I can be a mix between a ninja and a dolphin? Well, that's Eileen. She she was supposed to be a lion because we have this lion costume that's pretty sweet that we got from a friend. And this morning she woke up. She's like, I'm going to be a pumpkin. And she just created her own costume out of the clothes that she had. And we we're like, all right, that's hey, pro- cool. Props to her, man. Yeah. That just takes down the maintenance on parents <laughs> because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, remember, we've talked about the costume because you asked me as a yeah. random question on one yeah, of Yeah, your our, Jedi costume. Yeah, my, which was not, it was just now that, you know, I go back and <laughs> if I made that costume today, I would be on like, it would be like, it would go viral on social media. <laughs> The only thing that would save me is the fact that my skin t- tone is brown. <laughs> right. That, that would have been would my only be help. <laughs> it would still would have caused conflict. Oh, man. Well, so we have a great uh, guest on the show today, Matthew Rollins. Uh, he and his dad started Anchor Bat Company, and it's a really cool story of how he got from playing baseball his whole life, actually left the game, um, and, and I liked how he said it. He said a baseball told me it was my time yeah. to be done. And he was in a lot of people don't listen to that because they mm-hmm. just keep going. And sometimes that's what we have to do in order to make a shift. Like, I mean, we're done and we have a hard time because we make our identity into, you know, the things that we do mm-hmm. rather than who we are. Right. And so I think that was a big turning point for him because he realized that, wait a second, you know, I'm done. However, I have not lost my identity. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he so he and his dad started this uh, bat company, and I think they've been around for a couple of years now. Yep. Their bats are being used in the bigs. In the bigs. Um, which is really cool. And um, just, you know, just a really neat story of a young guy who took something that was a big part of his life, a passion of his, and is turning it into a business and, and also just some of the challenges that have come along with that. Right. It's like a person repurposing content, you know, like if you're in, you know, they tell you, hey, anything that you write or whatever in social media world, just repurpose content. That's important, right? Well, he repurposed, you know, mm-hmm. things that he knew and he put those things to work. So it wasn't like a, a big disruption. So he was able to take something he was passionate about, think something he understood, what was important. But then with that combined with something he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I think he's going to be able to flex his muscle and um, in our pre-chat with him and some of the conversation. Um, so he'll be at the Sundance. Uh, his mm-hmm. product will be at the Sundance Film Festival because a very popular actor-director mm-hmm. who has been around a very, very long time actually um, purchased like one or two of his bats, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. that it's going to make, a, you know, who would have thought, you know, right. it's not a baseball time. And then here's a director and a, a celebrated um, award-winning actor-director mm-hmm you know, having his product and yeah. loving it. So I thought that's pretty cool. It's like a trophy. Mm-hmm. So whether it was being used or a collector piece, it was, right. it's kind of cool. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we've been talking a lot about dreams and we actually decided to uh, postpone our workshop yep. for uh, put your dream to the test to next year. So be on the lookout for information on that. But what I loved about what Matthew talked about is he had this dream to play baseball and that's really all that he thought about. So he found a way to remake his dream and to, to make a pivot and a shift so that he's, he's living it. It just doesn't look like what he thought it would. And that is what separates him. Mm -hmm. I think from many others, you just spend their time thinking about it and not doing anything. So please remember to connect with us on social media. We have our Facebook group, UCYP, Uphill Conversations Young Professionals. We actually have a poll out there right now, and we would love to get your feedback. You can also find us on Twitter at the UCYP, and you can find us on our website, ucyp.co. And also remember to jump on over to iTunes, remember to rate and review the show. And of course, we would love it if you would share it with your friends and let them know all the great things we are doing to improve the lives of young professionals. Without any further delay, let's jump into this episode with Matthew Rollins. Matthew, welcome to the show. Uh, We're so glad to have you. I got to meet you um, at uh, an awards uh, kind of thing with the SBDC, which was really cool. I loved your story. I loved your product. I used to play baseball when I was younger. I broke my hip, believe it or not. I was a third baseman. I dove. I caught the ball. It was the final out in a tri-county thing, like a tournament. And I landed on the corner, and it, it put a nickel chip and sent a crack right through my hip. And I was 13 years old, and maybe I peed on myself because I couldn't <laughs> feel anything. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> so yeah. So when I saw your bats, I was like, man, this is great. And obviously they're, you know, wooden bats. You mm-hmm. know, when I was little, we played, you know, obviously it's aluminum all the way up to a certain level. But man, those bats were just gorgeous. So let's just jump right in and just talk about, you know, who you are and these bats. Like what got you into that? So a little bit about you yeah. and how these bats showed up in your world. Well, you know, I uh, grew up around the game of baseball, played it my whole life. 
honestly, my identity was in baseball. Um, anytime people saw, you know, me at a family function, if they've seen me, you know, in six weeks, six months, or six years, first thing you're going to do is say, "How's baseball going? You know, wh- where are you at right now? Where are you playing? Um, what position do you play? What? I mean, there's just so many questions that people ask that um, you start thinking of yourself as like that's the only thing I'm kind of worth is a is a baseball player and as an athlete. So um, I went to North Greenville University here in South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, and played there for four four years and moved on and played a little bit of minor league baseball. And when the game um, when the game told me that it was time to stop playing, I didn't take it very well. And meaning, you know, whether you're Derek Jeter at 42 years old or whether you're Matthew Rollins at 23 years old, at some point the game's going to say it's enough. Yeah, you're done. And – Usually, you don't take it very well, no matter if you've had, you know, a Hall of Fame career or one that's just filled with bitter, you know, bitterness and resentment because you didn't make it. But nonetheless, it's not an easy pill to swallow because that's what you're known as. You're known as a baseball player. So for me, um, there was a lot of soul searching to figure out, like, what the heck is next in life for me? And, you know, how can I how can I still be around the game if that's even something that, you know, is in the cards for me and is kind of in my path? Or um, if it's not, then what am I going to do? I didn't have a game plan in college at all. It was literally just to play baseball. I took the professor's classes that were the easiest that I could kind of skate through and get by because all I dreamt of doing was playing baseball. And my degree is kind of contingent on that. I majored in Spanish and English because I had a Spanish teacher that I really liked and I had an English professor that I really liked. And when it was all said and done, I kind of left with a double major and I was like, how the heck did I just do that? (laughs) I never even declared a major and somehow kind of got through it, you know, and having a double major. So, you know, with, with all of that going on, it was still, um, still just really tough to figure out like what I was going to do in life. So I started sitting down with people that I respected, started reading. I'd really never read, which is kind of sad, go through college and not have read and started reading once you got out of college. But, you know, people started introducing me to books and, you know, books that kind of pushed myself a little bit to, to think outside of the box. Um, I, I knew I didn't want to really work like a corporate-style job. I had this thing within me. I didn't know what it was. I now believe it's a, uh, like an entrepreneurial spirit, but... At the time, I just thought it was lack of focus on what was in front of me, <laughs> and um, you know, which can be good and, and definitely can be bad. But, but you know, with all of that going on, we started to kind of narrow it down with the help of others. Of you know, what is it that you're passionate about in life? What skill sets do you have? You know, what would you like to see for you and your family, short and long term? Um, and to be honest with you, baseball bats were still not in the equation at all. And I knew I wanted to be around sports in general. And I had the unique opportunity work, to work for a guy, or work for several gentlemen, actually. Um, someone came to me and said, hey, John Smoltz is starting this business. It's barely off the ground. It's been going on for a few months. In essence, you're going to be one of the first full-time hires. I didn't hear anything else. I just heard John Smoltz and thought, oh, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> legend, and John Smoltz. So Smoltz, he was part of it. Another guy, Darren Holmes, pitcher, pitched in the big leagues for like 15 years. He's now a um, he's now a big league coach with the Colorado Rockies and has been for the past, I think, three seasons now. And 
a couple other physicians and players, and it was just this unique group of guys. But honestly, it was because of Holmes and Smoltz that I really said, okay, I don't even know what the job entails, but I want to do this. It was a startup business. It was a small business. It was one where, you know, wearing multiple hats was necessary. And it started to grow me and kind of cultivate me into to being able to do, you know, multiple things and see how startup businesses, see about, you know, raising capital and just things that you don't get taught in school necessarily, whether you're a business degree or Spanish major, I guess. Um, and it, it just intrigued me. And it was things that kind of started pushing buttons. And the company that I was a part of, after seven years, we got acquired by another company. And at that point, knew, okay, hey, I'm not going in that direction, so what is next? Same thing, sat down with some mentors, sat, sat down with some people that I you know, valued and trusted in life. And at that point, the, the bats kind of came into the picture. And they had been there for 10 years. They had been there before my playing days were over. And it was something that my dad had made for me when I was in high school. And I did not want to use a bat that my dad had made. Yeah, to be honest, it was just completely prideful and, and you know stupidity on my behalf. But I was like, if my dad made it, it can't be that good. <laughs> and you know, my buddies at the same time were like, we want to swing the bat that your dad's making, and they did. You know, I, I swung some, but I mean, when when quote I'm swinging in a game, it was not going to be with my father's bat. And but he always was like, you know, I think I can do it. Like I think I can do it well. And I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, I don't know how to start a business. I mean, I'm in college and high school when this starts going on, and that was kind of it. And we, you know, we spoke about it throughout the year, every year, throughout ten years of you know working for other people and doing other things. And um, you know, when my career ended, or however you want to view it, when we separated ways to after the company was bought out that I was a part of, um, at that point it was like, okay, I think I'm going to go down one of two paths. One path is going to be being like an, a runner for an agent um, in the game of baseball, and the other is start this wood bat company. You know, we don't have much money. Um, we've never started our own business. Or I can go work for a very successful sports agent who has some of the biggest names in baseball, and to a degree be a babysitter for these guys, um, which I didn't necessarily want to do. Um, my wife and I were invited up to, it's called Winter Meetings. It's in a different city every year. And it's just this big, you know, kind of collaboration of all the game's biggest, you know, from a media perspective to an agent perspective to the general managers, owners, just kind of everybody collects in a convention or a hotel over a four or five day period. And that particular year, um, I was with an agent who had invited me and my wife up to sit in on some meetings to see if we could, quote, handle the environment, that we could handle being around some of these people and not get, you know, kind of starstruck. Exactly, exactly. Like, Ooh, look. <laughs> and I'm not going to admit, you know, one of the first things that we had that I was a part of, it was me, this agent, um, another gentleman, and Nolan Ryan. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, like, Nolan, oh, shoot. <laughs> Nolan, hold on a second. I just so happened to have a Sharpie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, in, in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, that's Nolan Ryan literally across the table from me right now. But I have to act like yeah. it's no mm -hmm. big deal. And it didn't bother you. 
But, you know, even in the, the coolness of kind of the things that took place that, you know, over that three or four days, um, it was in Nashville, Tennessee that year, and my wife, Delect, and I were driving back home and didn't say much probably over the first 45 minutes to an hour on the way home. And then we both just kind of at the same time said, man, it's the most money we would have ever been, you know, as a couple that, we, you know, I would have ever made. Um, the experience would be one that's unparalleled, you know, in a, in a lot of industries and careers. Um, but we felt like the path of starting a back company was the one we needed to go down. I wanted to work with my dad. Um, he and I are different enough, but similar enough to where I knew that, you know, the chances of us being able to work together and feed off of each other and, you know, kind of stay out of each other's hair and get what needs to be done. Uh, we could do all of that and still, you know, still have a great relationship. And he and my mom have sacrificed so much. I'm the only child. And, you know, some people are like, oh, you're one of those. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, I tried to always be gracious for what my parents had, had done for me and sacrificed for me. And, you know, you don't really fully understand it until you have a child of your own. And then I started realizing, like, man, we didn't have that much money when I was growing up, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And to see the sacrifice that they did to give me the potential opportunity to fulfill a dream of mine. Um, and I was just like, man. So my dad worked, um, you know, pretty tough industry just in construction. And at that point I was like, you know what, he's given so much and he deserves better than what he has right now in terms of the way he's valued and treated. And he has an exceptional trait. So, you know, I have learned a little bit, over the last seven or eight years of being a part of startups and, you know, the failures and successes that, that come along with it. And, you know, I don't know much, but I think we can do this thing. And we knew, you know, that was a very long chase to get to the point of, of kind of what you alluded to earlier about our bats looking a certain way. We knew all along that we didn't want to just make a quality product. We wanted to make one that was something that people would be proud to have, that aesthetically was appealing, that had a ton of intentionality behind it from a branding perspective, from a service perspective, from just literally every touch of what it was we were doing. We wanted it to be to where when someone received one of our bats or someone was swinging one of our bats that they could feel like they were, quote, like a part of our team. And they could also have something that had that kind of purist look to it and classic look. Um, but, you know, if a CEO wants to hang it, you know, in his office, yeah. it kind of has that look too. So yeah. it can go both ways. Well, and I love that because you're giving the story, you're giving the history. And that bat, it is, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like when I saw that bat, I was like, where was that bat when I played? <laughs> you know, and obviously it was, you know, it was wooden. And I've asked you about aluminum and stuff like that, but yeah, in our, you know, other conversations that we've had. But I, I was like, that is a gorgeous bat, you know. And um, I guess for me, like two things, like number one, the name Anchor. If maybe you could tell us about that. And I know Megan's got, she's got, I can see her taking notes. So we've got some questions here, but mm -hmm. what about Anchor? Where'd it come from? And then quality, but also not just function, but just, you know, even building and going against, um, you know, because there's a mindset. Louisville Slugger has been around forever. This is me mentioning this, not you. Right. I know it's what you have to do, but like there are a lot of other, 
you know, competitors that are mm-hmm. out there. You're bringing in something that, you know, comes from, you know, your dad has this construction background, this understanding, you played the game, and entering into a space that most people probably wouldn't even step into. You know, it's, it's not like an official saying that we have as a company or anything, but we do kind of have this saying that says, you know, we'll make a bat for anyone, but we're not for everyone. And that just means that, yeah, there's certain people that want to swing a bat that they see on TV night in and night out, that they see, you know, on every store that they walk in. And, and that's fine. That's awesome. You know, that's a, a very historic brands. And there's several, you know, companies that kind of fit that mold. Um, but for us, we wanted to be something that not necessarily was like fully exclusive or scarcity driven, but that definitely kind of had that vibe to it. And, you know, even getting back to the intentionality of a name, you know, we did what every every person is supposed to do. Um, we hired a consultant to help us come up with a name and kind of told him, hey, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for a logo that someone can see on television, hopefully one day, and they can Google that logo to find out what our name is, which is pretty, you know, it's pretty tough to come up with. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, you know, there were certain things, you know, we didn't want to be something that was overly cheesy in a name. We didn't want to be something that, that kind of had our names involved with it. And, you know, we are people of faith, and we wanted something that could incorporate our faith in, into the name um, in some capacity. And with the same token, we didn't want to be, uh, we didn't want to use our name as a crutch. Like, you know, we didn't want it to be called the Jesus Christ Bat Company. And people be like, oh, yeah. man, you know, there's that's a Christian bat right there. You know, yeah. we didn't, we did not want to I do that. I can't use this unless I'm saved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we didn't want to fit that mold. Right. Um, but we did want, you know, to incorporate in some way. And, man, the names that, and this was, you know, some people that we thought, oh, this, this is going to be simple. Man, it was a tough journey. My wife is from South Georgia. We... For six weeks, like we're not South happy. Georgia. When you say sit, like, South Georgia, like Valdosta, Tifton, Tifton. Alb- yep, Tifton. Okay, she is a Tifton Listen. girl, and um, <laughs> yeah, I know all about Tifton. All right, well, she's there's not much to know, but she's straight Tift from County. that's it, yeah. Tift County, baby. But she, um, we were on the way down to visit her mother, and I told her, I said, Delecta, you know, we're gonna come up with a name before we get out of the car. And wow. she was like, you know, I'm not sure. You know, we've been trying for like six weeks to come up with a name mm-hmm. with professional help, and I don't know. And I said, well, we're just going to do it. And, you know, we've been dragging this out long enough, and it's time to come up with a name. Just do it. Let's just do it. And so, you know, we just started coming up with names, driving down the road, and then kind of got desperate. So when you get desperate, you open up the Bible, or at least that's what we did. And I was like, just start reading some verses. And anything that sounds like it could be, like Cornerstone was one. I was like, well, you know, how could we do a logo? We can't, really. Um, and then this, you know, this verse that had Anchor incorporated in it. And I was like, Anchor Bat, maybe. And around Macon, Georgia, which is like three and a half hours I into the make, trip. Yeah. <laughs> so about three and a half hours into the trip, I was like, you know, I'm I'm really like I'm kind of digging anchor, and like there's a lot of directions we can go with it. Um, I think it could be I think it could be it, 
And we kind of went back and forth with some other things. And then about Perry, Georgia, which is another like 30 yep. minutes maybe. <laughs> yeah. We, I, I think, elected texted my dad and said, hey, what do you think about Anchor Bat? And he just gave one of them like thumbs up emojis or whatever. <laughs> and we were like, all right, it was Anchor. And at that point, we just kind of s- stuck with it, went with it, and thought, you know, whether you're in South Korea or whether you're in – you know, South Georgia and anywhere in between, someone could see an anchor and they, they know what it is. It. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of an international um, symbol. So we went with that name, started working with a um, an incredible designer here in town in Greenville and just shared kind of our passion, our story, our short and long-term vision of where it was, that you know, we, the direction we were looking to go from a, quote, quality perspective from just a you know overall vision perspective of you know who we want to be as a company and he was like man I'm I'm in like let's let's do this thing and uh, he and I went back and forth for probably I don't know a dozen changes or so and we kind of stuck with the logo and he's been on board ever since and he's actually part of the company now and um, so you know it's just it's been one of those things to where we did it the way that the world tells you you're supposed to do it and hiring people in and bringing people. But at the end of the day, it was just something that it was already what you want. It was, it was like a divine type thing. Yeah, But it was inside of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and I'm wondering if that even gave you the confidence just to step into a playing field that, like you said, you didn't want a bat that, you know, was for everyone. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But you wanted one that anyone you know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't remember. What was the way you said it? Yeah, it we'll like, make a bat for anyone, anyone. but we're not for everyone. Everyone, mm-hmm. right. So yeah. the way you put it, I love that. That's like, that's powerful. And then when you have the anchor, you know, so that's like, it's like really strong. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, I just keep, uh, of course, in my head playing uh, the life of Jerry Maguire that's in, in in the thing when you're talking about the story of being there with all these people, these sports agents. And I'm sure that a lot of that is an exaggeration, but I'm sure just like anything else, there's probably yeah. some truth to it. So I think that's a really interesting situation to be faced with as a fairly young professional. So here you have this opportunity where you could, you know, it's there. You could go out and you could do something that, like you said, would be very challenging, incredibly rewarding. It would probably be validating in some ways. And I mean, it'd probably be great for the ego to be able to go out there and say, oh yeah, this is what I do. These are the people I work with. And instead you make this choice to go, instead of going with the ego, you follow your heart and you kind of follow the dream. And you say, no, I'm going to, I've been talking with my dad about this thing for a while. I'm going to go back and I'm going to go after this thing. And not only am I going to go after this thing with my dad, I'm going to go, I'm going to get into a very significant underdog position and try to get into an industry with very strong players. So to me, I mean, that just seems like it would take a lot of bravery. And I'm just curious, as you were deliberating, and obviously there's there's a lot of reasons not to go with the Jerry Maguire lifestyle, right, depending on just personal goals and things like that. But how did that feel, sort of saying, okay, I'm not going to take on this huge challenge, but I'm going to come over here and I'm going I'm to face a different type of challenge and and when you decided to really turn it into a business, what was kind of that big obstacle or that big, what was the big fear or obstacle that you had to overcome? You know, that's, that's a great question. And 
honestly, there's like several components of it. Money is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the sacrifice. Um, had I known how difficult of a financial sacrifice it was going to be for myself, for my family, um, and to be honest, I don't know if I would do it again. Like it was, it's been that hard. Still is that hard. Uh, my wife has uh, basically said all of the things of the world. I'm cool with them going to the wayside for however long it takes to make this happen. We've sold, like, we had two vehicles. We sold them both. My parents let us borrow a vehicle to which, you know, three years later, we're, st- we're still driving. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we live on a monthly budget that's <laughs> it's honestly well below the poverty level. And all of that's not to say, oh, you know, poor, pitiful them. You know, it's, it, I wish them nothing but best. I mean, we chose this path. It's a path that we chose. We knew it was going to be difficult. Um, we didn't maybe know it was going to be as difficult as it's been, but we definitely knew it was going to be difficult. And from that, would I do it differently? It's a good thing that we don't have to do it differently, <laughs> like, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, but would I change anything? No. So I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but we, but literally, I wouldn't have changed anything from the perspective that it's, it's given us resilience, it's given us the, uh, the mindset and the desire to be okay with being told no, to be, you know, talking about the agent lifestyle. Now I'm kind of on this other spectrum to where, you know, agents are calling me saying, hey, how much money are you going to give us to introduce you to our client list? I'm not going to give you anything. Like, that's our response. Yeah, I have a product. And right. Yeah, yeah, like Here, last, last I checked, the yeah. players have to swing it in a game, so yeah. I'm not asking them to wear a watch. Like, yeah. Either they swing our bat or they swing another bat. Yeah, I'm not giving you don't anything. Don't tattoo my name on your arm. And, yeah. <laughs> and so there is a lot of undercutting. There is a lot of money um, that's exchanged to get deals done. And, you know, honestly, we just don't have the ability to even fight that fight. So that's where a lot of, you know, hey, we're going to invite this dozen, you know, these dozen players to be a part of what we are and, and what we're doing and the direction we're going. And if we have two that bite, that's amazing. And because it was a very rifle approach of the two that, you know, us getting two of the top 12 guys in the game to, mm-hmm. you know, to a large degree. So um, there has been uh, an, an incredible battle, but it's one that we, we feel like is beginning to, to pay dividends. Um, we are seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, we're almost to that point and where we're going to start making some money, um, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, for, for every small business and startup, it's, you know, it's a dream come true when you're like, man, we're so close now. Um, and, you know, we're being recognized as a top company in the game. And that's something that's even more rewarding is when, you know, when the other companies start to spend more time talking about why players should not swing our product, we view that as a compliment because they're spending right. their time, energy, and resources trying to stop us from gaining any more momentum. And, you know, our, I don't know if they don't realize this or not, but our goal was not to come in and, you know, disrupt the market in this grand way. Our goal was to come in and fly under the radar and do a really good job from a quality and a client services perspective in a branding perspective and, and have a small niche of, you know, people that we service and hopefully we service, you know, really well. You wouldn't change anything because you own your decision. You're owning that. What does that what is that like for you, Matthew? When you look at your friends 
Maybe some people that think you're crazy. I've been, oh, yeah. listen, I tell people I'm more insane than crazy. Yeah. You know, and I'm not making fun of mental health, but no, I really literally, people go, dude, why are you doing that? Like, I've been offered so many things to go, you know, I could fly back and forth to New York and, and to do other things rather than what I do and keep going because I believe in something. Right. No. What no. is that separate? What's that separation for you? What is that thing that keeps you from just going into, just what everyone else says you should do to have this certain quality of life or the quality of life that you're building where I feel like you're getting these intangibles that most people lack in their real life. You're saying like what you you got agreement with your wife, you've got agreement with your dad, like you're working on these things. You've got a belief. You've got all of these things. Is it worth it to you? Absolutely. And for us, I think at this point, day one, maybe not so much, but right now, over the past maybe even like 18 months or so, we've begun to view it more as a calling. Like we feel like, man, we were designed to do this. It's this awesome. Is, this is a path that, although it be very difficult, um, it's one that we feel like we're called to do. And, um, you know, once, once you... Not that it makes it any easier, and you know I'm not gonna lie. There's more nights than not that I lay there, can't sleep, and say, "Good night." You know, is this? <laughs> are you sure? Like, yeah. are you sure? And you know, people are like on the outside looking in, just, "Oh man, it's such a cool thing," you know, all of this kind of stuff. But they have no idea the actual fight that's taking place. Right. And you know, there's there's been many times we've been. You know, we've been approached a couple times already, which blows my mind of of other companies wanting to buy us out. And I'm like, you don't even like we're we're not really even worth anything. Like, why would you right. want to buy us? And you know, but their perspective is like, listen, you're disrupting our market, so we just want you to be gone. Yeah. And at that point, I'm you know, with me and my dad both, we're like, we haven't worked and sacrificed the way that we've had to for the company just to go away. Right. And. So for us, you know, we're viewing it as an, you know, in a, like an incredible calling that, that we feel like God has given us. We feel like um, we're on to something. Not that we said, you know what, we want to be great. You know, Matthew and Eddie Rollins want to be great. Nothing like that. But we did say we want to build a product. We want to build a company. We want to build a culture. We want to create an environment to where uh, the world can kind of buy into it. And we kind of feel like we're Rudy. And yeah, you know, people. I was just there. People, people. <laughs> I feel like in life, there's certain people that don't like the Rudy story, and if they they don't like it, they're probably not one of my friends. And, <laughs> you know, like I love the grit of Rudy. Now, whether the story was truly like it was, you know, portrayed in, in the movie, spirit, it I was, don't know. In but, spirit, it was spirit. accurate. But I'm gonna say like that. I f- I feel like Rudy. Like I can mm-hmm. resonate with him. And awesome. um, we're kind of this underdog that people view as, you know, Tom is going to push them out of the way, and we just keep knocking. We keep fighting. We keep going. We keep rolling with the punches. We keep, you know, pushing. Um, and, you know, we have. There's been some friends of ours that we've kind of just kind of lost because they're like, man, you're crazy. Like, what But isn't doing? that what it's about? I got, right? Isn't yeah, it about absolutely. that? It's like, it's like how did some of the other things that you're going against, like that are out there that have the world dominance, I mean, okay, let's just go to Apple, right? Everybody yeah. knows Apple, but they had to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's weird that when it 
you know, when it gets in proximity of our own lives, we look at people and go, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's like, well, and not that you're in, you don't even want to be at that level of Apple. What right. you're saying is, is we want to get in and we want to offer, and basically it's like, we're all doing barbecue. This is our flavor. Right. This is our recipe. You're right. You know? Yeah. But not everybody's going to show up with their grill and actually start cooking. You're doing that. But everybody started cooking. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And it's it's funny. So I, I actually uh, am a Notre Dame grad, and so is my dad. So um, grew up, obviously, <laughs> very familiar with the with the Rudy uh, story. I actually heard him speak um, at a pep rally when I was in school there. Nice. But just listening to you talk about the time with your dad, and I'm literally sitting here thinking, I wonder what it would be like to work with my dad. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm. it really makes me wonder i mean you said you you have some similarities but you you also have some pretty significant differences so what have been the biggest challenges and also the greatest rewards of working with your dad you know honestly i would say the challenges have been um have been more so of just seeing like the sacrifice that he and my mom have made so you know i was kind of like the whole point of doing this was to so they didn't have to make more sacrifices and now, good night. They're having to create even more sacrifices mm-hmm. than they did when we were, you know, when I was growing up. So I would say, from a challenging perspective, it's been frustrating to see it take longer than hope, you know, than I had hoped, and kind of, um, you know, just it personally had intended it, you know, it to take. Um, and then, from a reward perspective, man, there's so many. Um, just from like the first guy that hit a home run with us in the bigs to Delecta and I, and actually our little girl, Marley Claire, we just so happened to be at the game where our first bat was used, to our knowledge, in a Major League Baseball game. (laughs) And it was by the guy who had won the National League MVP the year prior. So (laughs) it was like literally one of the biggest, if not the biggest, arguably, name in baseball was the first guy to use us in a game. And we were there. And... I mean, the people that were sitting, we had good seats, and we were sitting. I, I didn't know this guy. I didn't know his agent. There was no money exchanged. There was nothing that took place to where we were guaranteed of him using our product. And honestly, we didn't even know if he would like it or not. And we're sitting 10 or 12 rows back on the visiting side of the you know, the field, um, right, pretty much right behind the dugout. And his first at bat, he came up, and he wasn't using us. And, we, you know, I, I, I mean, he literally had received the bats that day. And typically, guys don't come out the day they receive something and use it in a game. It's just, um, it's just not something that's common. And his second at bat, as soon as he walked out of the dugout, I mean, my hands started shaking. I started sweating like crazy, <laughs> and I'm not one to sweat. My wife was crying. My little girl was just clapping her hands. She didn't really know what was going on, but she saw the emotion that was taking place, you know, between Delect and myself. And I was like, film it, get it, you know, get a picture, get something. And she's like, I can't, my hands are shaking so much. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I was never the guy to get nervous ever, ever playing in a game. I mean, like the, the good nerves, like a butterfly right. nerve, but not like uncontrollable, I can't quit shaking nerves. And, you know, here I was just literally praying, God, please don't let him break this bat, his first swing. And he ended up hitting one like, I don't know, 375 to left center and kind of kind of at the warning track. And, I was just like, oh man, thank God he didn't break it, because um, that was that was definitely not how we would want our first swing to be. But you know, calling my dad and saying, hey, 
He just used it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, feeling the excitement that took place with that, seeing, you know, seeing our first home runs hit on TV and watching us on, you know, we had one of the guys, then he was on USA Today's, like, front page of the sports with our logo perfectly in the background. And, you know, just things like that. It's like, man, It feels kind of good. It feels good, yeah. It's Heck like, yeah, hey, it feels hey, good. hey, I did that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, Dad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just – those type of experiences and we've done things that on the flip side we had this just to us it's it's definitely a horrific story because it hits home from an age perspective but a a little girl that my daughter was in school with um, she passed away a year ago almost to date of cancer and you know just our family was like man we don't like what do we even do how do we how do we show them support Um, what can we do so we started coming up with some special like limited edition t-shirts and we had professionals buying them and it was you know it was cool to see people rally behind and you know came up with a, not an overly substantial monetary gift but enough to hopefully um, you know have created a little bit of um, ability for them to do something with it and the father came up to the shop the other day and they had found um, where she wasn't writing in cursive at the time. She was in second grade, but she had written her name out. And they were like, can you take this signature and put it on the bat? Like this limited bat that we had made. Like we used 24 karat gold inserted in with the paint that we were using and everything. It was like $500 a gallon for this stuff. But Mm -hmm. we wanted to do it right. And we sold, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but 50 to 100 bats across, you know, across America, kind of commemorating her life. And he came back and he had the signature and we did it, sent it to our um, designer and he fixed it. We went back on and engraved it. And he was like, um, the people haven't seen this bat yet. And he was like, what's the most valuable bat that you guys have ever sold? I'm like, well, you know, we don't really sell collector type bats. Um, These are more for, you know, for use purposes. So we've never auctioned them off and went really crazy with it. And he was like, well, you know, to date, now you can say that, you know, you've sold a bat worth $25,000 because there's an adoption group in the, I think it's in the Northeast somewhere, and they used one of Scala's bats and sold it at auction, and it basically adopted a child, the, the amount of money that was raised from it. So, you know, even seeing those kind of things completely different than a major leaguer using it, and from this just heartbreak story to where it was like, you know what? Um, the loss of one child, although they would probably never trade that. I know I wouldn't, but it gave the ability to a family in the Northeast to buy. Sounds horrible, but to well, you to use the, the money, yeah, yeah use to the use the money yeah. to you know to be able to adopt a child. Mm-hmm. And even those, I mean, those type that was probably even a, I guess you would say a prouder moment than seeing somebody hit a home run using our bat. So, Matthew, before we wrap up, I would just love to know, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? You know, like, it would be that if if I knew, you know, if my younger self could tell me right now, and I actually take it seriously, it would be, you know, your life is going to be tough, it's going to be hard, there's not going to be, you know, many, if anything, handed to you, but it's going to be worth it. So just keep fighting, keep pushing through. Um, you know, where you're going is worth the fight that you're going to put up. So that would, that would definitely be, I would say, if I'm giving myself a, you know, quote, pep talk, mm-hmm. talk type advice, it would, it would be that. 
Matthew, I know that people are going to want to learn more about uh, Anchor Bat and um, about you. So it would be great if you could tell our listeners how they can connect with you and where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. From a social media perspective, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can go to just Anchor Bat Co, Anchor Bat Co, um, and that's all of our social media use. And then from a website, um, we are anchorbatco.com. So both social media, we try to stay very active and kind of let people know what's going on and, and where we are. We you know get out some newsletters that that go out as well. You know, once a month or so. And um, so yeah, we're out there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, once again. Uh, Matthew Rollins has been our great guest here on UCYP, where we have three major goals. One is to elevate the voices of young professionals, to bridge the gap between generations, those coming up and those who have been in the workplace for a long time. And also, we want to always inspire young professionals to lead.